On this episode of The Evangelist Podcast, we're asking, is Christianity anti-science? The Evangelist Podcast from Revival. Find out what's new in telling people the good news about God, the world and you with Andy Brinkley and Glenn Scrivener. Welcome back to The Evangelist Podcast. This is the show where we delve into issues regarding sharing the good news of Jesus. I'm Andy Brinkley, media producer, and here is my good friend and colleague, Glenn Scrivener. Hello, everybody. <laughs> what? What's funny about What do you that? mean, everybody? It's just me and the listeners. I'm, yes. Okay, it's... So this time we're looking at, is Christianity anti-science? Mm-hmm. So I'll just say no. And yeah, then... no. Next. Right. See ya. Next. <laughs> yeah. So anti-science, where does this accusation come from Glenn. well it's i mean it, it does sound a bit nuts doesn't it when when you when you think historically about the contributions of christians to science and and just the sort of the foundations of a christian worldview that enabled science to happen it, mm. it, it is quite a strange thing that we're in the position of people thinking kind of christians are anti-science mm. but i i think it's a bit of a power struggle really who is it who holds the keys to knowledge these days and it used to be christians Christianity used to be the queen of the science. The theology used to be the queen of the sciences. Um, that's what it used to be sort of known as in the Middle Ages. But now the natural sciences have kind of ascended because they've been very useful in mm. terms of, you know, helping us to fly halfway around the world and stamp out malaria and, you know, there's no cure for the common cold yet. But, you know, there are lots of, lots of things. I've staring at my iPhone right now. Thank you, science. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. But, uh, it, yeah, it becomes a bit of a, a grab for power, really, mm. when science, when some scientists and when some secular people want to make claims for science that it is God, yeah. <laughs> that it rules. Mm. And, and really, the, it's not really Christianity versus science. It's Christianity versus naturalism. Mm. Naturalism is the view that the cosmos is all there is, was, there's, and ever shall yeah, be. There's no kind of other dimensional yeah it's it all you know all it's all biology which boils down to chemistry which boils down to physics okay and behind that there's you know there's not a supernatural realm that that sort of uh, intervenes in all those sorts of things and so naturalism is is the thing that is not christian yeah. Yeah. science is something else yeah now lots of naturalists are scientists and lots of christians are scientists and I think I want to make the argument, you know, later on in the podcast, that perhaps science fits more comfortably within Christianity than it does within naturalism. Mm. But I think I think the success of of science makes people sort of think that that science is now Lord, and you know, and and they want to have power play against against Christianity. So, mm. and they it kind of often it comes from a philosophical starting point, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then sort of picks up science as a a tool or you know evidence yeah and as we were saying last time you know it comes from what we want to believe mm. you know our, what the heart loves first yeah. and then we try and reason it you know and, yeah. and make it true a lot of these starting points yeah. are nowhere near science yes they start in, right. in philosophical ideals yeah absolutely and there's a vision of the world in which humanity through the use of our minds mm can intellectually ascend from the slime from which we have, you know, yeah. arisen and we can take charge of the world because, you know, we are top of the heap. Yeah. So why do you think this question is so commonly asked? 
now then? It's uh, yeah. I, I think for all these reasons that we're just sort of saying that that there's a vision of progression. Mm. that we love. We love this idea that, yes, through selfishness and slime we have emerged and we're, we are top of the heap and we can continue to, to evolve ourselves and evolve our species. And we are kind of clever apes. And we are a clever apes who are ascending through science. And in a sense, you know, the Bible's vision is, is of, of us as sort of fallen men and women. We're fallen people who have come down from a great height. The scientism story is we are ascending apes. And and there's something attractive. There's something attractive to being... Um, top of your top of the development. Ape. Yeah, yeah, top of the cosmos. Yeah. You know, here we are, top of the cosmos, even though we're apes. <laughs> and, and so there's an irony there, isn't there? Because the, even the Christian position, even though we are fallen men and women, we're the pinnacle of, you know, we're made in God's image, for goodness mm. sakes, and we're, we're told to rule and have dominion over the earth. So actually, I think Christianity gives us a, a, a humble but true picture of humanity that actually has authority and the authority to, to rule and have dominion and science plays its part within the Christian worldview. Mm. Science within the atheistic, just sort of human progress view is, yeah, it's the tool that we need to keep on ascending and ascending and ascending and ascending. So no wonder if that's gripped you, you hate the Christian story that we're, you know, we're fallen men and that there might be an authority over us and over science. Hmm. So some of that is where the conflict comes Hmm. from, I think. Okay, so uh, if someone sort of comes with a scientific type approach to, to faith and you're speaking to them, and we, you want to use three, two, one obviously. to speak to them. Obviously, obviously. Mm-hmm. yeah. Why, mm-hmm. why would you not? <laughs> um, so, how would you bring in Jesus? I, I think here we go. We'll go a bit big picture here. I think in the history of human thought, there have been two different kind of ways of explaining everything. One is top down, and the other is bottom up. <laughs> the top down thing starts with grand ideas and then looks at the details and tries to put them into the details. The other uh, kind of way of seeing the world is very good at looking at the individual details and then piecing them together in a piecemeal kind of way until you, you, you come up with the grand theories in that kind of way. Now, interestingly, you, you kind of need both. You actually, you actually need both if you're going to have a true picture of reality. And if you don't have both, you can't do science. So the Greeks, or incre- the ancient Greeks I'm talking about, are incredibly clever, producing playwrights and philosophers um, and mathematicians and people who are very happy in their own heads. And yet they didn't produce science the way that we understand science to be. Aristotle famously said that uh, bees have four legs because he reasoned it out in his head. It was because the, the nature of all things meant that a bee fit, fitted into this kind of classification of animal mm. and these classifications of animals had four legs and therefore a bee's got four legs. And it didn't occur to him to go and count, right? It didn't occur to him to actually try and like, catch a bee. And, of course, we these days, well, surely you start there. You start with the observation. Yeah. But that's, that's not how that culture kind of progressed and, and the Greeks were very good at the top-down thing. Other cultures have been really good at the bottom-up thing. So the Chinese come up with all sorts of brilliant technology. Um, Glasses and fireworks and 
uh, gunpowder and spectacles and and all sorts of things like that. And, and um, you said glasses. I said glasses and <laughs> spectacles, both of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, printing, printing as well. Yeah. Um, they they're coming up with all this kind of of technology. So they're very good at the sort of the bottom up stuff, but they don't they don't have a view of the cosmos mm. that enables them to put the bottom up stuff together with the top down stuff. So very clever cultures have existed in the world that have not come up with anything like what we consider to be science today, modern science. What you actually need is a top down and a bottom up thing. You need the grand theories and you need the experimental, you know, data. Okay, so <laughs> I hope you're getting to Jesus. Here. <laughs> I was just about to. Right. So, what do you, you know? What do you what do you read on the first page of John's Gospel? In the beginning was the Word. Yeah. Okay, here's top. Here's a very top down thing. Yeah. Verse fourteen: The Word became flesh and lived mm. among us. Or the beginning of John's uh, first letter. You know that which was from the beginning, which we've seen and heard, which our eyes have seen and our hands have touched. This we proclaim to you. Mm. And actually. What you get in the Bible is this this view of the world that has a very grand top-down vision. Here, there is a word. The Greek word is logos, from which we get the, the word logic. You know, there there is a kind of a logic to reality. Therefore, no no wonder you can have grand theories that explain stuff. Brilliant. But the word became flesh and anchored himself in the details of this world. And therefore, you do not retreat into your mind in order mm. to understand the word. And you do not un- retreat into your mind simply to understand the world. Mm. Actually, you go out and you explore and you handle and you taste and you touch. So actually, the Christian worldview with Jesus at the center actually answers that big question. You know, do we understand the world from top down or from bottom up? And Jesus, Jesus is the one from the top who's earthed himself in at the bottom. Mm. And so that we at the bottom can investigate but also lay hold of you know the stuff at the top and 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 actually therefore it's no surprise that actually it's christianity that is the sort of the seedbed of modern science mm. okay we'll look at 3 then 3 is the truth about god yeah god is three persons united in love and and you just need to with science the the whole of the scientific enterprise is based on the fact that we're dealing with a cosmos and not a chaos mm. The whole of it is a, is about the fact that there's, we've got a rationally understandable, rationally comprehensible, rationally ordered mm. universe where, you know, I, I look through my telescope that's been, you know, the, the telescope's been manufactured in China. I, I look through the telescope to something that, that's, that's hundreds of thousands of miles away. I, I make a little you know observation and write it down. I plug that figure into a th- uh, you know a, a, an equation that was discovered 400 years ago yeah. by a guy on another continent, and then I change the the direction of the of the telescope, and lo and behold, that's where the, that's where the asteroid is. The next time I look, mm. and there's this triangulation between what's out there and the laws that govern it and, mm. and, and that people over centuries have discovered these same things and they all triangulate, they all match up. Why should that be? Why should, why should we live in such a finely tuned, finely ordered universe as, as the one that we do? Mm. And I, Einstein um, said, uh, the fact that the universe is comprehensible is the greatest miracle. Yeah. 
why why should it be that we can do all these experiments and continue to and and that it makes this coherent comprehensible kind of picture of of the world and and Christians say well there there is a god of truth beauty goodness love there is a logos a logic that's been there from the beginning and therefore that that's why science i think sits most naturally within a christian worldview mm. Um, because we we actually believe there is a rational, coherent explanation for stuff that's out there, and that human minds might be able to access that. We'll, we'll think about that with two, but um, yeah, because of three, I think there is every reason for doing science, and you know, and the fact that in science, different theories try to account for data, and what scientists find is that the the, the theories that are most likely to account for the data the best are the ones that are simplest, the ones that are mo- most symmetrical, most beautiful, as mathematicians might call mm. them. There, there is a sort of a beauty to the order of the world. Why should this be? Uh, well, perhaps perhaps the God of Jesus gives us uh, the answer. Mm. Okay. We'll look at two then, uh, relating to Adam and Christ. Mm-hmm. So two is, is, yeah, Jesus has come into the world to reverse the work of Adam, to become true man, the mm. second second Adam. And that really gives us great confidence for being able to do science. I mean, it's, it's not like I, I read up on in scientific journals and all that kind of thing, but I'm, I'm vaguely aware of debates about you know whether there can be a grand unified theory of everything, whether we should have any right to expect that our human minds can comprehend the vastness of, of reality and, mm. and all that sort of stuff. And at that point, you see why science might not best fit within the atheistic worldview. Because if we have emerged from slime and we're on top of the slime, and, and then why, why should we think that simply because all my ancestors happen to be more selfish than all their competitors, why should I think, therefore, that that bestows upon my mind any great ability to kind of comprehend reality? Mm. Why, why should I think that? But if I'm a fallen human but made in God's image... Well, then, I'm, then I might have the right to think that this mind can understand the cosmos that we, that we live in. You know, for science, for science to happen, there need to be laws that are up there, minds that are in here, and a world that is out there. The laws that are up there that govern all things, a mind in here that can understand those laws, and a world that is out there that is... Uh, governed by those laws um and and again I, I don't know what right we have to expect that triangulation between the law and the mind and, and the world mm. but with jesus we have every right to expect it yeah um because jesus jesus is the logos of all things who has earthed himself into a human mind mm. there is a human mind that really does comprehend the cosmos well that should that should give Scientists everywhere should be rejoicing, even if they're not Christians. Um, they, they should at least respect the Christian worldview in which we say, yeah, there is a human mind that comprehends all the deepest mysteries mm. of, the, of the galaxies. That's, I mean, that should give you hope. And, 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 yeah, that should give you the inspiration to go out there and, and, and think Christ's thoughts after him. Yeah, yeah. So one then, who are you one with, mm. says, uh, says 321. So the personal side yeah the personal side of um, science i think i've said before on the podcast because we, we have done a science some um, podcast before yeah. and we can put some links to the, the show notes there but um 
It was very interesting. Brian Cox did a documentary about the Large Hadron Collider mm. a few years ago. Brian Cox is the, the the guy who used to be the the D Ream keyboard player. Oh, really? I didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's D Reamy, and and then retrained as like an astrophysicist or whatever. So, really? Yeah, yeah, clever guy. So um, he he did this um, Document, documentary yeah. on the uh, Large Cosmology. Hadron Collider. And he had this brilliant line at one stage. He said, physics is stuck, and the only way we can we can figure out a way forwards is to go back to the very, 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 very beginning of creation. And uh, we need to smash together particles at velocities and energies never before known before so that we can get right back to, to sort of the conditions that there were at sort of, you know, at at t equals zero we need to get back to ground zero and then once we've smashed together all these particles then we will see the face of creation <laughs> and that was his phrase that we will see the face of creation yeah. and and at that point you think i think uh, wow i i understand that you want to see a face like i totally understand that the world like the greatest stuff in the world is sort of personal reality <laughs> it, it is um, and we all know, like on our deathbeds, the stuff we will most regret not having done will be stuff to do with personal reality and personal yeah. relationships and not, you know, not having face-to-face relationships with people that we should have done. We all know that that's sort of ultimate reality. So I can understand Brian Cox saying, okay, we, at the end of all things, we want to see the face of creation. We want there to be a personal reality yeah. at the heart of all things. But how are you going to find that? Smash particles together? I don't think so. If you smash particles together, you're going to figure out a lot about particles. And that's great. Fantastic. Thank you. Keep on doing that. But if you want to see a face, Mm -hmm. then do good science. Okay? Do good science. Science, um, you always do science according to what it is you're looking at. So if you want to look at the stars, buy yourself a telescope. If you want to look at microbes, buy yourself a microscope. If you want to see the face of creation... Get yourself a Bible, you know, and do good science and, and study. If you want a face at the heart of creation, then then, then figure out who this Jesus guy is because he claims to be the face of creation. And and do good science on him. Pummel him with questions. Investigate him through historical analysis and figure out whether he is the face at the heart of all creation. And then, with him, go back to the LHC and and smash particles together. That's fantastic. And keep on doing science and keep on discovering things in physics and biology and astrophysics and everything. Please do that. Jesus doesn't take you away from those things. Um, Jesus sends you back into those things and says, please, you know, think my thoughts after me. Think my thoughts after me. But that's, that's the way around it's got to be. Do all the science you like. You're not going to see a face until you see Jesus. Mm. So do good science on him and figure out who he is. Okay. Okay, well, there's obviously so much more we could we could develop there uh, to do with science and you know mm-hmm. all the different aspects, but uh, mm. we better leave it there. <laughs> yeah, well, if people have questions, then um, write them in and... Uh, yeah, you can uh, enter it on the podcast page or you can even just contact us through Twitter at Glenn Scrivener, mm-hmm. or I'm at Andy Brinks. Contact us there, or as I say, you could go to this show's web address, which is revivalmedia.org slash TEP57. You'll also find links to uh, give us a rating and review on iTunes. We'd be grateful if you could do that, uh, and also to get our free daily prayer bulletin. But I think uh, I think that's it for now, so uh, we'll see you next time on the Evangelist Podcast. See you later.